0: your friends you don't go over there and shake hands smile hug their neck let's knock them on their backs put them in the mouth knock their ass in the dirt that's what we got to do we got to stop that buddy ball smash everybody in the mouth take the running backs to the stand run up in the stands and slap their mama live in the entertainment capital of the world it's the T.C. Martin Show.
1: It is showtime, baby. Here we go.
0: It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Going to be fielded by Lorenzo Neal at the 25. Yeah, pitches it, to... it back to wide check. He throws it across the field to Dyson. He's got something. 30, He's got 40, something. 50, He's got 40, it. He's got it. 20,
1: 10, He's got it. Into. It's a miracle! The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us. It is a terrible Tuesday. You know what that means. Get to vent our frustrations. And that is always the best part of the week. Especially when we got so much to vent about. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank in the house. And ladies and gentlemen, today, the one, the only, Stevie Slapshot has left the ice rink and has joined us. Right here on the program today. It's not officially hockey season, but you know what are you gonna do? He's right. behind
2: the glass. He is yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll play. Let me see if I can check him.
1: Oh, what? oh <laughs> we need some new glass around here.
2: It's <laughs> glass. You, you, you need to check the situation before you go check into the glass. Wow. <laughs>
1: oh. All right, Slapper. How you doing, man? I'm I'm hanging in there, buddy. It's it, it it's been a gauntlet here with uh some some key pieces missing, but uh, but we're getting through it. We're getting through it. All right, good deal. All right, Stevie Slapshot working overtime with uh, Brian Blessing and company and uh, doing it all here. So we appreciate you being here today, my friend. Always, always great to have you uh, on board. Thank so. you. It's a, it's good It's good to be here. And, and I know that you love doing Terrible Tuesday as well, too. Terrible Tuesday. It's the best kind of Tuesday. <laughs> there it is. All right, so a lot to do, a lot to cover today. Houston Nutt will join us, the old football coach and does a fantastic job with CBS Sports. We'll talk college football playoff. We'll basically pick up where we left off yesterday with our conversation with uh, Trevor Maddich from ESPN. So we'll get uh, the football coach's point of view today on the college football playoff and plenty of bowl games as well. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, will join us because tonight is the opening night for the NBA season. Two games on tap, including the unveiling, I guess, of the latest banner for the Los Angeles Lakers, even though it'll be an empty Staples Center. And uh, it'll play the team that they share the home with, the uh, the Clippers there tonight. So a doubleheader tonight. You've got the Nets taking on the Warriors. So, of course, a little drama with that, with Kevin Durant going against his former team, where he won those championships with. And Steph Curry's back, only played five games last year. But no Clay Thompson, no Draymond Green. So we'll see what happens uh, tonight as the Nets play the Warriors and and the Clippers and Lakers. So it seems like the NBA just left us with a championship in the bubble. And even though it's a late start, the NBA's back.
2: Well, and you mentioned the fact that it's a a, a banner in an empty stadium. Well, there's some basketball purists that think it's kind of an empty uh, championship that the Lakers won. That's true. So we'll we'll, we'll see how that plays out to some. Some people might call them haters. Other people might say, well, you know... Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: whatever (laughs) yeah not really thrilled not really thrilled and I love the NBA I love opening nights but this to me I don't know if it's because it's the late start it's the pandemic or it's what you said Frank it's the Lakers and it's LeBron James and I'm fine with the Lakers but you know since they've reconstructed this this Laker team and LeBron James and now you have a bunch of other all-stars that have joined them again no fans at the Staples Center I don't think I'm going to be watching it tonight. No, going to watch
2: some bowl action or something yeah, or something else. So, you, know, you know, I mean. Probably see what's on it. And I'll well, be channel surfing like I do almost every night out there. So, But, you know, they had to start the season now because he had to get those six games in on Christmas.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't forget. Yeah. But I will uh, touch base with the Warriors and the Nets because I'm curious. And, again, I love Steph Curry, even though that Warriors team is a totally different-looking team. But uh, a little curious, Durant and Kyrie irving do tonight. Uh, Steve Nash's coaching debut. <clears throat> so it'll be interesting to see that. But no, I am more in tune to the bowl season, specifically tonight, because we have a very good matchup. And like Trevor Maddich said yesterday, we've got two of the the best quarterbacks probably uh, in, the, in the bowl season, aside from the, the championship game that we'll see, or rather the semifinal game we'll see, as BYU takes on Central Florida tonight. So looking forward to that. There'll be a lot of points scored. And two teams that have had very good seasons, play hard, got tremendous athletes on both sides. So that game a little bit later on.
2: So you're saying you're hoping for a better game tonight than you saw last night?
1: Yes. Yeah, last night uh, was was not good. Uh, almost as bad as the game that I saw Sunday with the Jets and the Rams. And almost as bad as the game that I saw Sunday night with the Browns and the Giants. So yeah, think about the last three you know games that, well, I don't want to say it, the Sunday Jets-Rams game wasn't a primetime game. But yeah, not a couple good uh, primetime games Sunday night or Monday night, and of course everyone thought that the me included that the Steelers were going to get right, they would take care of business. Not the case. Uh, they got they got steamrolled by the Bungles, and uh, yeah, just a, a a horrible night if you are a Steelers fan. Yeah,
2: it certainly wasn't a good night if you're a Steeler fan out there. So uh, our offense did absolutely nothing in the first half. Uh, Turnovers cost them uh, the game early on, but then they were coming back, and you had a feeling, well, I mean, it is still Cincinnati. They can come back, and it's not like Finley was throwing the ball over the field or whatever, but uh, got a couple nice runs in there or whatever, and they found a way to win that game.
1: You know, the Steelers found themselves down 17-0, and and they battled back. They got that touchdown 17-7, and then the game – Turned on, on this. So when the Bengals got the the second half kickoff, they went three and out. Steelers came back, went down the field, and scored immediately. Then the Bengals came on down, went three and out again. Steelers came down, drove down the length of the field, had first and goal at the 10, a la what happened to the Raiders, first and goal at the 4, except you know, what happened with the Raiders was, was a heck of a lot worse. And when the Steelers went to some funky play calling and, and Roethlisberger went to to drop back basically on, on two of those three uh, downs. You could just see that the momentum was going to switch if they didn't get in the end zone, because if they got in the end zone especially after the Bengals 2-3 and out. So that makes it 17-14. Now they got a legitimate shot. Here we go. But what they had to do was settle for a field goal, made it 17-10. And right then and there, I said, you know what? That was it. That was your mojo. That was your momentum. Because when the Bengals' defense held them to three right there, you just figured that, okay, the Bengals are going to regroup a little bit. Sure enough, what happened, just like you said, Finley scrambled a couple times, this net, went right down the field, and the game was over after that point. Yeah, it was, and yet
2: Pittsburgh still had opportunities. There was still a lot of time left there, and uh, real late in the game, I remember the t- when Pittsburgh did four straight passing plays uh, at the end when it was de- obviously desperation time, but I didn't understand why they didn't just dink and dunk and try to get a first down. They uh, The third down, they throw it way down the field, and then, of course, the announcers are, oh, well, there should have been a pass interference and that he was grabbing the shoulder. The defensive player was going for the ball. They have a right to go for the ball, too. I mean, it it, it could have gone either way to me. But, yeah, Pittsburgh had an opportunity, and they didn't show up. Turnovers cost them early on. They got some momentum back, and they didn't finish. And right now, if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan – you have to be extremely concerned about the
1: way this team is playing. Yeah, You've gone from undefeated, 11-0, and to now 11-3, and the number one seed down to the number three seed. Oh, and look behind you in the rearview mirror. The Cleveland Browns are a game behind you right now.
2: And I believe so, they have a game still against each other yeah, coming up. So, yeah. yeah. And, and and I know – there's there's the Ravens too as well. So it, <laughs> and, and earlier in the season when I kept on saying every week, it's like I still don't know how good Pittsburgh is. Oh, and yeah, I right. have some Steeler fans out there that were, oh, you're just a hater. I'm, I, I, it's not that I hate them. I, I don't know how they're doing it. They're kind of doing it with smoke and mirrors. I don't think they're as good as their record. Yeah.
1: yeah, and a lot of Steeler fans have felt that way as well, too, with Mike Tomlin, again, and we've talked about it before, really not winning anything, the way they had all those narrow victories. And for the Steelers, that's what their, their third game in, in a row, or even though I think it's fourth game in the row, that they uh, scored less than 20 points. So, yeah, so more about the Steelers, of course, on Terrible Tuesday. It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's
0: a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking.
2: Something stinks in here.
0: That's terrible. (laughs) It's Terrible Tuesday. Things
1: gone wrong in the
2: sporting world.
1: Well, Washington quarterback Dwayne Haskins got the start last Sunday after Alex Smith was injured the week before. So what did Dwayne Haskins do to go celebrate his start? Made it rain. Oh, He made it rain all right. He didn't have to go to Atlanta for that, though. No, he didn't go to one of those uh, hot spots that we had talked about during the pandemic. He decided to go to a neighboring place there in Washington, D.C., to a strip club. Yes, Dwayne Haskins went to a strip club. Oh, and by the way, there's video out there that shows he was not wearing a mask. Yes, pictures showed up on social media that Dwayne Haskins not wearing a mask. Haskins tweeted an apology saying he spoke with head coach Ron Rivera on Monday and took full responsibility for putting the team at risk. It was irresponsible and immature, and I accept responsibility for my action. He also issued an apology to his teammates for creating a distraction during our playoff push. Really? Yes, you did. And if you're Ron Rivera, you have just got to be kicking yourself right now because this guy never wanted to quarterback Dwayne Haskins. All right. Daniel Snyder. And the other GM selected him. And they brought Rivera in. Rivera wanted nothing to do with him. But Rivera said, okay, fine. I've got to go ahead and start this guy. And then he pulled him back after four games. Saw that this team was going nowhere. And then insert Alex Smith. They decided that Alex Smith was healthy enough. And sure enough, Alex Smith led them on that run. Especially in the middle part of the season. And then until Smith got hurt uh, two weeks ago, he was forced to go back to Dwayne Haskins again. And Haskins was terrible, again, against the Seattle Seahawks. But, you know, I said he he went there to celebrate. Well, you know, they lost the game. They lost the game 20-15 to to Seattle. So after the game was over, he went to the strip club. And again, not social distancing, not being smart, not being safe against NFL protocol. But here is my main question. Please explain this to me. Why is it so important for guys... Or specifically, not just guys, but for NFL players, NBA, Major League Baseball, anybody who has that that status, that superstar status, that you have got to be very extra careful. Because you are held to a higher standard. What is the infatuation with a strip club? That's what I don't get. Why do you feel that you have to go to a strip club, especially during a pandemic?
2: Well, there's a lot of different layers to that. The first thing that you said is, how is the strip club even open in a pandemic when restaurants and other places are closed? Does the strip club close at 10 o'clock? If you do a deep dive into this, which can be a dangerous thing to do at a strip club, but it's even a little bit worse because Haskins was there with a female companion. There are photographs of them both with... Many When I said they made it rain, they had a lot of dollar bills. They had girls dancing right for them. They're doing lap dances for them. Oh, and by the way, Haskins was previously fined by the NFL for obstructing COVID protocol earlier this year. So when he says, oh, I'm sorry, and I'm going to learn from this, and I'm going to be a better teammate, it's not your first offense. You lost the game to the city where it rains to go
1: to the strip club <laughs> and make it rain? Come on, man. And uh, those protocols that you were talking about, again, that he was fine before because he made reservations for a family friend to stay at the team hotel the night before a road game against the Giants. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Had people in his room, more people than you're supposed to have in your hotel rooms. But but seriously, again, going to the strip club after games, prior to games, and again, are we going to be talking about guys like Tom Brady? Or did we ever hear about Peyton Manning going to strip clubs? No, absolutely not. It's these same yahoos that can't get this together. And, you know, now this story is overshadowing what this team is playing for, which is the playoffs. Or, you know, you, you mentioned what he did before. this he's, a, he's not a first-time offender here. And for me, I'm going to bring it full circle. And I know you're going to probably hate me for this, but I don't care at this point because... This is another numbnuts from Ohio State. And I'm sick and tired of these Ohio State guys reading about them, hearing about them, and hearing them make excuses. And Haskins issues the apology. Like you said, it's the second time he's had to issue an apology in the last three months. But Maurice Claret, Ezekiel Elliott, um, Edmir Rieup. Uh, Jason Witt who both of those last two guys were arrested for rape and kidnapping earlier this year, and they got kicked off the team by Ryan Day. We go back to Art Schleister, uh, Ter- Terrell Pryor, uh, Brody Roby, Jake Stoneburner, uh, who is urinating on people. Uh, and now we have Dwayne Haskins. What's up with the Buckeyes? They're they're entitled. They're always in trouble. And again, they think that the law doesn't apply to them. I'm sick of Ohio State. I'm sick of these ham and eggers. And again, they continue to do the same thing over and over and over again. And It's not just one coach. Because remember, people were throwing Urban Meyer under the bus saying, oh, he's had 23 guys between his time at Florida, you know, going back to Hernandez at Florida and the guys at Ohio State. But anyway, yeah, it's... It just makes me sick.
2: Yeah, because it's only Ohio State. Because Baylor, with nine allegations of rape on campus, have nothing to do with it. And LSU right now, without sure. on having a multiple sexual misconducts and that against them. And you mentioned Florida and other teams out there, but it doesn't matter but where these they are went all to the high-profile guys. Yes, they are high-profile guys, and sometimes those are the guys that you give yeah. more leeway to, and you get in trouble. Terrell Pryor apparently had some priors before he went to <laughs> Ohio State, so I'm not surprised by that. And, and as so far as did that, Elliot too, and, yeah. and as far as Haskins. Yeah. Well, he knows that realistically he's a backup, so he we went to the club and said, back
1: that thing up. <laughs> there it is. Jeez. Beautiful. I, I guarantee if we want to go ahead and do a, a count. That's beautiful, by the way. I guarantee that Ohio State will just dominate any other school when it comes to... Two arrests and people getting in trouble. They'll be right there, but there's a lot of company, my friend. All right, all right. So the biggest favorites on the board Sunday lost their games outright. We talked about it earlier. The Rams lose to the 0-16 Jets. 17-point favorites were the Rams. The Steelers lose to the 2-10 Bungles. A 14-point favorite. Embarrassment. Both offenses are a joke. Both quarterbacks look downright awful when people like to praise both Jared Goff and Ben Roethlisberger so who is more of the laughing stock right now is it the Steelers or is it the Rams well
2: to me it's the Steelers because they were undefeated going into it and everybody was talking Super Bowl and all that and like I said we mentioned on this show several times how good are they really or whatever now they have a lot of injuries especially at the linebacker position defense everything else out there Maybe you cut them a little bit of slack because they have won some Super Bowls and they have had success in the past, but I think their expectations were so high. The Rams, aren't they in kind of that situation where everybody's like, okay, well, we've seen this before, now prove it to me. They still have yet to prove it. So I think the Rams, more people expected a downfall from them. I think a lot of people are actually starting to buy into the Steelers, and now they're finding out, whoa, wait a second, fool's gold. Yeah, I mean, both these teams or are— gold golden black yeah, in this case. There you go,
1: just suffering uh, embarrassing losses. And there's no way I could trust either one of these teams moving forward. And people always say, oh, defense wins championships. That's all we've heard. These are the top two defenses in the league, the Steelers and the Rams. But it's the offense that is killing these guys, and they're not going anywhere. Even though they have the top two defenses— The defense is not going to carry you to the Super Bowl, or I can't even see you uh, carrying either one of these teams deep into the playoffs. So uh, I'm going to parlay this into Juju Smith-Schuster as well, too. Now, we've heard the story about his antics where he wants to go uh, in... Uh, for uh, dance on the the midfield logo he's of a the opponent machine. Yeah, he's a dancing <laughs> machine. Not 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 that kind of dancing machine. of the Jacksons <laughs> baby and Michael Jackson and the Jacksons five back in the day. No, don't credit this guy for that. But he just feels the need that he has got to impress his TikTok followers and do these wild dances. And the Bengals knew that he was going to do this 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 past week. Dancing on the opponent's logo. And obviously, this is bulletin board material. We are talking about bulletin board material yesterday. And it plays a factor into this. And last night, Cincinnati did not take kindly to this. Earlier in the week, Bengals safety Von Bell said Smith-Schuster's pregame logo dances were disrespectful and the Bengals' defense had to hit him and let him know where he stands. If you watch that game, that's exactly what they did. They wanted to take it out on him. They popped him so hard that he... Coughed up that ball in the first quarter yesterday. Oh, they blew him up they, on that play. Absolutely they did. And don't tell me that dancing on that logo didn't have anything to do with it. That Bengals team got was fired up. They had nothing to play for, and they wanted to send a message on their home field, especially to that clown, and they did. So Mike Tomlin has ignored this. This has been going on all season long. So finally today, Tomlin says he is going to talk to Smith Schuster about it. I'm aware of what's happening. My question is, why hasn't he talked to him before? Well, they I... were winning before. <laughs> <laughs> They've lost three in a row. <laughs>
2: but again, now he's talking to him because they started uh, losing. When they were winning, oh, let him have a fun, do
1: this at goes To show you, this guy just doesn't have control. And I've heard diehard Steeler fans rip this guy, and I'm starting to buy into this now. Oh, a lot of Steelers no discipline don't like him
2: whatsoever. Yeah. And I'm not a big fan of Shannon Sharp because he says some crazy stuff. But Shannon Sharp said the absolute perfect thing. You can't dance on a logo and then lose the game, (laughs) especially when you're the one who's coughing up the ball and getting blown up like that. So, yeah, absolutely. And, by the way, Juju Smith-Schuster, what does he say afterwards? I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. Well, guess what? With Tomlin and with Pittsburgh organization – you might be doing it for another team then because they don't like that kind of stuff, and you are calling out, why are you adding fuel to the fire and giving bulletin board material? Mm -hmm. The Bengals already are having a horrible season. They lost their young quarterback this year. This was like the playoffs for them if they beat Pittsburgh, and you're going to
1: add fuel to the fire before the game? You're an idiot. You're an idiot, but this falls on the coach. And if you know because this story was out there all week because the TikTok videos were out there the past few weeks, you pull him aside and say stop the nonsense but he's afraid to discipline his own players he's afraid to talk to these guys and now it's like, oh now I'm aware of it I, I've been aware of it, uh, so I'm going to talk to him now, just just ludicrous Well you know um, speaking about
2: receivers do you like the on field mics that you can catch what players are saying. I like them. I don't like them when there's a delay or something and you don't catch it, but sometimes you catch things that weren't really supposed to be caught, especially in this year with no fans in the stands. In the Bears-Minnesota game, Minnesota receiver Justin Jefferson was in the back of the end zone. Kirk Cousins dropped back and threw a pass to him. The pass was high. It was incomplete. Jefferson thought it should have been a touchdown. And with the mic right there in the yeah. end zone, you can clearly audibly hear Jefferson say, F, Kirk, throw the damn ball. I did hear that. I did hear that. I watched the video. Yes. I watched it like three or four yeah. times. I saw it live. So he yeah. called out yeah. his quarterback yeah. there. And again, because of The mic's on the field, and in this day and age where you don't have all the fans and that kind of stuff, it was very audible, and it was very noticeable. Mm -hmm. So probably something that just in the heat of the battle happens, but I thought it was great. Now, I will say this. Cousins was about to go to the ground, but it's kind of like he fell to the ground. It's not like because the rush got to him or something
1: like that. He was scrambling away. It was a really bad throw. The thing about it was this continued all the way back to the huddle, and I saw him yelling at him while – they, they were in the huddle, and we couldn't really hear that, but you could just see the disgust on Jefferson's face with that. And again, yeah, Cousins being, being Kirk Cousins, hanging on to the ball too long, uh, inaccurate to, in that loss to the Bears. So, yeah, definitely. Bears win! <laughs> <laughs> All right,
2: uh, you know, speaking of wide receivers, Randy Moss, who considers himself, well, let's say, let's say he likes himself. He recently gave his Mount Rushmore of wide receivers. He said he is, without a doubt, the greatest receiver of all time. Oh, no. Please. And number two, Teo. Uh, uh. Terrell Owens and him are, without a doubt, the two greatest receivers of all time. When he was asked about Jerry Rice, he said, yeah, Rice is probably third or fourth. He, he would probably be up there. <laughs> Rice has 5,000 more yards than the second yeah. most receptions yeah. ever. Won all the Super Bowls. Moss went on to say, well, you can't really go by stats. And Super Bowl rings and stuff like that, because that kind of stuff is misleading. You know, I mean, Cherry Rice did have two Hall of Fame quarterbacks throughout his entire career. T.O. also kind of chimed in on that, talking about the quarterbacks and saying, well, he never had to try to make stats and everything with a bad quarterback or something. So uh, T.O. was also kind of fine with Randy Moss's uh, assessment of the greatest ever. Come on! Are you serious? I I know you guys like yourself, and we know that wide receivers are prima donnas. You can argue the greatest running back. You can argue the greatest quarterback. The greatest receiver in football is Jerry Rice.
1: Period! Exclamation point! End of story. And it's probably not even close. And you know, if you think back to guys prior to Jerry Rice, if you go back to the '60s and the '70s and maybe even the, the early 80s, you could probably come up with, with some other guys. But you really can't. It's Jerry Rice and everybody else. And if we're seriously thinking that Randy Moss is number two or, or Terrell Owens is number three, I mean, yeah, that, then that is a sad state of the fare Because like you said, running back, quarterback, uh, tight ends, very arguable. But wide receiver, I agree with you. It is Jerry Rice and... In, in very few people need to be in that conversation. I'll tell you, two people are not in that conversation. Probably not even in the top five are those two clans that you talked about. And again, like you said, the biggest—I've always said—the biggest diva position is that wide receiver dep- d- uh, position because they're codependent. You know, they have to have the the quarterback throw them the ball, they got to be on target, and again, they complain more than anybody else because they're codependent on someone else. But that is a joke. Well, let's be honest about it. Randy Moss is upset because when it comes to football, Jerry Rice smoked him. Yeah, absolutely. There it is. (laughs) Speaking of smoking, we're going to the Women's College Basketball Hardwood have you seen what the Baylor Bears have been doing? The Baylor Lady Bears are a powerhouse once again. They've had wins this week. They had two victories this week, both by the number of 93 points. They won each game this week by 93 points 117 to 24 and 136 to 43. The opponents, this is where I have a problem with. They beat McNeese State. And they beat Northwestern State. Other games that they've won this year, 86-52, do the math. What's that? Only 34 points, right? Against Southern. 82-37 against Central Arkansas. Why are they playing these opponents? Baylor is a perennial powerhouse. The top one, two, or three team each and every year. And they have been for the better part of the last decade and a half why don't you challenge yourself why are you playing these crumb cakes who have no basketball history no basketball programs and you're sitting there running the score up and you're winning by 93 are you kidding me play some tougher competition there are better teams out there that you can schedule because that's not doing northwestern state mcneese state southern it's not doing them any good and it's not doing your program any good well, it probably
2: isn't. And, you know, you could almost say, well, you know, maybe during COVID they can't find other teams. But I would say that's a BS excuse. Obviously, Bears like mauling teams.
1: <laughs> he didn't say that. And you didn't refer to Chicago, did you? All right. You're familiar with Cameo, aren't you? Cameo, yeah, not my favorite group. Cameo, Larry Blackman and you know Word Up, and I know there's the cameo
2: gr- appearances in a lot of movies yeah, that I've yeah, seen.
1: Yeah, well, there, there's an app Stevie's might be familiar. Yeah, it, it's uh, called Cameo, where celebrities or stars will charge people, the humanoids out there, to record a message for them, so they will. Charge someone to say "Happy Birthday" oh, I haven't or heard of "Hi." That. Yeah, I've, I've and seen that. that, sort
2: that yeah, of thing. all right. Because years ago, that people used to do it with like answering messi- machine messages. Right,
1: right, right. So now they're doing it with this thing with, with Cameo. Okay, you're showing your age, with answering machines. Are there, are there still answering machines going on? Oh, like you've never seen an answering yeah. machine in your life. Well, I have, but I, I got rid of mine probably twenty
2: years ago. Well, I haven't had one for longer than that, so (laughs) (laughs) you're
1: the one who just had another spin around the sun, my friend. (laughs) Spin around the sun. (laughs) So celebrities charging a fee to give you a greeting or a message. Well, UFC ring announcer Bruce Buffer charged some poor schmuck $299 to announce the dumping of this guy's girlfriend. It's time! For Kaylee to move on, fourteen seconds, two hundred ninety-nine dollars later, Kaylee has to move on. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, two hundred ninety-nine bucks. Hey, uh, I can't dump my girlfriend. This will be cool. Can you send her a message? I'd like to know how this schmuck. You know, did it. Was, was he sitting with her? Said, hey, tune into this. We're not going out anymore. Here you go, Bruce. 299 bucks. Maybe he had it
2: on a special friend or something like that, and he told that friend to call him when he was out to dinner with her, and that's the ringtone or something. I don't know exactly how he did it, but I hope that Bruce took the money and he took Kaylee out to dinner with it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you got to feel bad for, for
2: Kaylee. Why does she got to move on? How about that Hamanegren moving on? I feel good for Kaylee
1: because she's got that a <laughs> hole out of her life. That's a good point. That's exactly <laughs> it. But two hundred ninety nine bucks to do that? Come on, Bruce. I know guys that are charging. You know, Al Bernstein does this. He's not charging anybody three hundred bucks to to say hello or sing happy birthday. They might be charging you 20 bucks, but 25 al- bucks, maybe $50, bucks. 2 dollars 99 to dump a girlfriend. Come on, Bruce. I think if you're dumping a girlfriend and
2: it's personal, that there should be an extra charge for it. Okay. <laughs> Heck, I'd do it for free. Okay, hey, you know, um, we know that there's a lot of weird stuff that happens in Florida all the time, right? Oh, yeah. Well, there's something down in Florida that could be going on. This Christmas.
1: Wait, do I need to? Do we need to call TJ Reeves?
2: We, we don't need to call him, but maybe it's something that we should ask him about next time we have uh-huh. him on. He's coming on tomorrow because in Florida, on Christmas Day, they're expecting the temperatures to drop a little bit. And there's a thing. I don't know if you know this happens down there, but they're telling people to beware of falling iguanas <laughs> because when the temperature gets cold, and I actually watched the news story of this. I love you. It's a true story. Iguanas get all their energy from the sun. When it gets cold in Florida, they become lethargic and can literally almost get paralyzed. And if they're in a tree or something or on a branch, just on a fence or whatever, they just start falling almost out of the sky and they can fall on people. Iguanos, the biggest ones, can weigh up to 20 pounds. So there can be some big iguanas out there. They're saying if an iguana does fall on you or fall on the sidewalk in front of you, do not poke it or touch it or something like that because... That will wake them up, and they're in shock, and they can attack you. So beware of falling iguanas for Christmas
1: if you are down in Florida this year. <laughs> All right, sounds like the uh, new name of the football team should be the Jacksonville Iguanas because they've been quite lethargic this year. Or
2: if they're a really bad team, they
1: could be the falling
2: iguanas. <laughs> there you
1: go. Which they are falling into that <laughs> they, they, number one pick. Falling right? to number one, baby. Oh. All right, if you got some terrible Tuesday takes, hit us on Twitter at tcmartin21 at bgkfrank as well. Terrible Tuesday, always a good time here. And we come back also a good time. Houston Nutt, the old football coach from Old Miss, Arkansas, Boise State. He's going to join us. And we talk college football playoffs coming up next. Get wrecked with the doctor, TC Martin. Don't forget, get involved in the William Hill mobile app. It is so easy to use. Download it on your phone. Bet from anywhere. You can do the in-game wagering options, whatever your heart desires. And the best part, free money. That's right. If you use the promo code TC50 when you open a brand new William Hill account, they'll get $50 free. Dollars. That's right. They'll match it. You deposit at least $50. they will match it with another 50 Free money to play with. So get signed up at any William Hill Sportsbook. There's plenty of them all over the great state of Nevada, especially here in Las Vegas. Go over to the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. Get signed up again, but uh, download it first on your phone and forget the long lines of going to the book, all that stuff, the parking. No, that's what you want to do is get the William Hill mobile app and use that promo code. It is TC50. All right, it is time for us to talk a little college football, and uh, the playoff is set. We've got bowl games aplenty, and no one better to talk about it than the coach himself from CBS Sports, Houston Nutt. What is going on, Houston? It's got to be you, TC. How you doing? I'm good, my friend. How how you doing? Seems like every time that we get you, you're in that car. I mean, you're a mover. You're a shaker. What's the deal? Are you on the run again? What's going on? i'm actually parked oh is I'm
0: that right in my driveway I, i'm parked in my driveway i just like it better in, in the car i can hear you better and and uh, my wife is not going to be dropping dishes or nothing here, you know so we're <laughs> i good.
1: like that i like that you know that reminds me of yeah, uh man. uh one of my good friends and you probably remember uh charles mann who played uh, with the redskins uh, back in the day yes. uh, super bowl champion and he lives up in virginia and every time I want to have him on, he goes, "Okay, I got to get in my car because he doesn't have good reception yeah. at the house." So he'll drive down his like mile long driveway, and uh, so there it is. <laughs> See you, country folks, you guys out there yeah. with your spacious homes and everything—that's where you got to go. Yeah. I appreciate that. But but at I least dro- but at really? least at least
2: dropping dishes probably doesn't upset you as much as when your uh, players would drop the football, right?
0: <laughs> oh, oh 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 hey yeah yeah that's that don't even compare that now. Oh.
1: <laughs> there you go. The, the pitch man, you know like. Like I said, like we said before, and remember the Titans, man. You can throw it a country mile, but you can't pitch it three feet. Come on. <laughs> Ronnie Sunshine Bass. He's got to be able to make that pitch Ronnie there, Coach. Sunshine. you got to. you got
0: to put Charmin Tissue paper around it. Soft pitch. <laughs> soft. Is that what you guys did in practice? Is that what you guys did? That's right. That's right. Well, we did the illustration. Hey, I want to act like, act as if when you pitch this ball at Charmin Tissue, you got so soft. Pitch it real nice and soft with the back. There's no way he'll drop this ball because you got charmin tissue around it.
1: Come on. Now, now, coach, I, I got to get back to the dropping the dishes part there. Now, now, when you're scouting for a wife, I mean, she has to have good hands. I mean, what what happened here?
0: You, which... Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, hold on, hold on. That was just a that was a bad illustration because let me tell you something. <laughs> My wife is a number one. I mean, because she can do it all. She plugs in all the. Uh, the computer, the radio, the iPad, oh, uh, yeah. the, the camera, CBS set. She had to hook it all up. So she, not only can she cook, she's not dropping any dishes. might be an oven slam or a dog <laughs> block, <bar>, but that's <laughs> – hey, that,
1: that, that was a bad illustration on my part. <laughs> get the telestrator made, made, a, made, made a wrong turn there, but I, I appreciate it. We, we know she's number one, Coach. We know she's number one. Just giving you a bad time there. there I love it. I love it. Houston Nutt is joining us. All right, Coach, here we go. We got Alabama, Notre Dame. We got Clemson, Ohio State. One, two, three, four. Did the committee get it right in your mind? Uh, Well, you know, I, I really thought
0: Texas A&M would be there at number four, but when you really look at it, they probably got it right. That's why, T.C., if you and I were a czar for just one year, especially this year, the pandemic year, it'd be so simple. Uh, just like BYU scheduling, uh, uh, what was it, uh, our, our, our Coastal Carolina right. in about 72 hours. Well, let's go ahead and do five champions, five major champions. Let's go now at large. Now you get – Cincinnati in there, you get Oklahoma in there. You know, you get you get everybody in there, and let's have a real tournament. But, hey, I think they got it right. I think they got it right for the most part. But you could argue a lot of different ways, and I thought Texas A&M really improved. And, you know, when you look at the schedule, you look at everything. You know, Texas A&M beat Florida, but you can also say that, you know, they didn't win very good against Vandy. They didn't win very good against LSU. They didn't do the, – you know, there's a lot, thousand ways you can do it, and Notre Dame beat Clemson. So, okay, all right, I get it
1: and i get it too we all want the 18 playoff it makes all the sense in the world and remember houston all the years that we had to clamor you know from the bcs to to go from 2 to 4 And it took forever. It took about 10, 12, 15 years for that to happen. And now we're going through this scenario again. Why can't we go from four to eight? And I know it's it's a simple question, but really we never, ever get a concrete answer. We never get a valid answer. And if there's ever going to be a year for this, especially with Ohio State only playing six games and Pac-12 teams playing limited games and the Big Ten teams playing limited games and all this stuff and other cancellations... You know why couldn't it have been done this year? And why is this committee or the NCA or whoever? Why are they so reluctant to just let logic play out and go eight? Please, please tell me. Yeah,
0: yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I really don't. And uh, you know, I, it just hey, this is what it is. We 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 went from BCS type of deal to this, and. You know, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It's uh, I think more and more conversation, more and more conversation is taking place. So I look for a change here not too, too too long. We'll see.
2: With Notre Dame getting in there with that, the fourth seed, the last one into the uh, playoff series there, what would they have had to have lost that game to Clemson by four A&M to jump over them? And does Notre Dame get in there if they're not in the ACC this year? Yeah, that's a
0: great question. You know, they might not, um, you know, I, you know, it'd be fun to sit in that room, you know, and kind of listen to the discussions on that. Um, but I, I think the bottom line is when you look at Notre Dame, they do have a good football team, taking nothing away from, them. I, I like Ian book. I like the physicality and, you know, they did beat Clemson and they came back and of course lost this one. Uh, and so when you look at, it, they lost one game and, and so, you know, I can see their argument. I can see that. But I also see on the flip side of it, I can see where Texas A&M, um, you know, when you look at them. And, and let's let's also throw Ohio State in the equation because they only played six games. You get that argument going as well because there, I, there is a difference. As coaches, when you look at it, when, I look at different. Uh, when you play 10 games, 11 games, uh, that's a lot of difference than I'm playing six, uh, especially during this time of pandemic, COVID, and all this Uh, Things you got to navigate through, so you gotta. To me, that was stuff, and I I get Ohio State. They look athletic. They're you know got a nice team and all that. It's to me, there's a difference between playing six and eleven. But anyway, it is what it is. We got four good teams. I understand that, and then you got. I I can't wait to see the Oklahoma-Florida game, but although I see a lot of these players that are kind of opting out right now, which kind of bums me out right now. Mm
1: -hmm. And and I want to go back to what you are talking about there, Houston, because Brian Kelly pretty much said the same thing, and he went into detail uh, after the selection was done on on Sunday afternoon, and he said, listen, if we didn't have just straight athletic directors in this 13-member panel, he goes, there's a great possibility that Ohio State would not be in there. And he goes, if you had coaches in there yeah. making these decisions, he goes, we think about it differently, to your point. And I, this is why I really want to get your take on this. If you had football coaches, ex-football coaches that were in that room, and you had this situation where one team has six games and, other, and everyone else has 10 and 11 games, as you know, as a coach, you're going through that grind. It is difficult to go through that grind, uh, you know, eleven weeks and dealing with COVID and dealing with this pandemic and dealing with the testing and going through all that. It's just this added element here. Do you think that coaches would would side on that, and maybe Ohio State would not be in this playoff? Do they think different than I athletic think, directors I, and presidents? I, I,
0: I, I think they do. I think they do. And I, that word you're using, I like that word, that grind, because. There is something, too, now, when you go week after week and you do it 11 weeks or 10 weeks, 10 weeks plus a championship game, if you're in, uh, say, uh, Florida or Alabama, that's 11 times now where you're talking about you're, you're testing kids, it, you're you're navigating a lot different year than ever before. So now you compare that to six, just six times, starting the season much later. You know, you, to, to me, you look at that, like way they're going to be a little bit fresher. They've only played six. Um you know, you don't know how many uh, of, of those kids. Maybe some of them that didn't even get hurt this year and uh, feel fresh, and everything's hey, everything's worked out right. And so, hey, they're sitting there going in their seventh game, real ready to go with freshness. And so now you you compare that to a team that's gone through a, a ten game schedule, playing nothing but conference games this year, and then a championship game. Man, I mean, that's a, that's a bunch. That's a bunch. Of games. To me, there's a lot of difference there. So I would probably go with the, the number of games and going back to the word you use, that grind that you're talking about.
2: Well, and when you talk about that grind in the six games, and there has been a lot talked about that, but when it comes to Dabo Sweeney and the coaches' poll of voting, he had Ohio State lower than anybody else, picking them 11th in the country. I know you can't yeah. speak exactly what he, what's going on in his mind, but do you think that's an accurate assessment, or do you think he put him that low to make an even bigger statement, basically saying, look, these guys shouldn't be in this playoff?
0: Right. I think that's it, the latter. I think when you look at it, it goes back to what T.C. asked me. I think if he was on this phone call, I think Dabo, uh, I'm just guessing, but I think he would say, and that's uh, the reason he put him at 11 is, hey, they didn't play a full schedule. And so they don't deserve to be up there. I, I can see Davo saying that, and he was making a statement, you know, about uh, you know Notre Dame in-, in their conference and Clemson. They played m- many more games, so uh, so in his mind, hey, they they deserve to be at 11. So I-, I I think he did it because of the number of games and the grind that we're talking about. Uh, exactly why he did that.
1: Houston Nutt joins us, uh, the former football coach, and uh, does a great job with uh, CBS Sports, breaking it all down here for us. And in Houston, when you look at the rankings, we know that it is so subjective, and especially not everyone has that same body of work with the number of games that we're talking about here. But in your opinion, what do you think is the the biggest factor that the committee should really zone in on? Is it being undefeated? Is it being a conference champion? Is it the eye yeah. test? Is it the margin of victory? Is it who you play? Is it your conference, your affiliation? What do you, what do you think should be the thing – one or two things that they really need to focus in on because as we know, the criteria is so gray here and there's just, it's not set in stone. Right, right, right. That's a great question.
0: I, I just know this, TC, you know, like when we first started the show, I'm big on a conference champion. I think it says something. When you win the conference and I was fortunate enough to coach in the SEC for 14 years, get to Atlanta twice. And when you get there, there's a, there's this feeling of accomplishment And when you win that game is even a bigger feeling of accomplishment. So I think you look at that because I think a champion deserves to be in that conversation, really deserve to be in it. And, um, and then it's the strength of schedule. And I like, I like the look test. I like watching how they play and how hard they play. And so I think all those factors are important. Uh, Conference champions to me is big though. I think that is big Uh, when you're a winner like that, it's big. And then, from there, it's it's strength of schedule and it's 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 the the look test how you play offense, defense, special teams for four quarters. I think all that's important. Add all that up, and you're still the way we have it right now. You're going to have a few slots short. You know, I feel bad for Cincinnati. I've I coached at smaller schools, and I feel bad for Cincinnati. But um, bottom line is, you know, Oklahoma is is was probably going to get in. Even with two losses, they were probably going to get in before Cincinnati if it got to that point, Um, or Iowa State if they won. So I I just, uh, you know, one or two two things. You either go, you go, Power Five's got to go, I mean, the the group of five's got to go get their own tournament, go get their own deal. If they're feeling that much left out, uh, never feeling like they're never going to have a chance to get in, You might want to go get your own because, you know, Cincinnati's undefeated. What do they need to do? They did everything that's on their schedule. They're champions. And uh, when you compare it, though, to the teams there outside looking in, when you compare it to A&M, Florida, uh, Iowa State, Oklahoma, you compare it, they're going to be behind those guys. I mean, that's just the way the committee's going to look at that.
1: But in all honesty, Houston, I mean, they would look like life or death to beat uh, Tulsa in that championship game. And maybe that's that's and, 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 and maybe if they would have hammered that team, they would have shut them out or something. Because a lot of – again, they were a 14-point favorite. And they th- this game was tied three times, and they needed that last-second field goal to win that game. But, you know, with your eye and, test, can you actually yeah. see them beating any of those four teams? I can't – Because if they played any of those four teams, they would be huge underdogs. And I'll even say any of the teams in front of them, Florida, especially Oklahoma and and Texas A&M, because those two teams are playing lights out, especially the Sooners right now. I just just can't see – you know, making an argument for Cincinnati to being in the top four, top five, or top yeah. six. But like you said, yeah. if we go to eight, then there's no discrepancy. You've earned your right. way in, and now we get a chance to see it. And it's kind of treated yeah. a little bit more like You're, March Madness. Yeah.
0: You're probably right. If you
1: ask me the question, Cincinnati can they really beat them guys?
0: You know, they don't have to be better than say Oklahoma ten weeks of the year. It's just that one sixty minute period. And you never know what's going to happen during that time. You know, I remember a team, UCF, plays Auburn in the Peach Bowl. Mm, You would think, you know, Auburn's going to win that game. But during that 60 minutes, and it's easy, you know, I heard, well, they didn't want to be there. Well, UCF did, (laughs) and they won the game. And so that's where I'm a little bit different on keeping up with how many points somebody beats somebody by because. I tell you, that ball bounces funny now, guys. That bounces is real funny. And Cincinnati all geared up. You know, Oklahoma got beat early on by who? Kansas State?
1: Yeah, and Iowa got State, beat right? By, yeah.
0: Iowa State, okay? They got beat by two teams there, okay? And not knocking those two teams, but as you say, Oklahoma's a much different team now. But during that time they got beat, they didn't look good. So you never know, you know, 60 minutes – and Cincinnati this is their super bowl. I you know I, I don't think they'd beat them but I mean you just they don't ever know it can happen.
2: Obviously Florida kind of blew their chance when they lost to LSU. Had they have won that game and then only lost to Alabama in the conference championship by the six, would it have been a possibility that we would have only seen two conferences represented in that f- In the football playoff series with the ACC and the SEC, could, could, uh, could it have uh, maybe been Bama and Florida both representing the SEC?
0: Well, I think we'd have a lot of mad people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, we're going to have some upset <laughs> people if that happens. But, you know, there's a real argument for that now. Yeah. There's yeah. a real argument because, uh, you know, just looking back at the game, I tell you what, I wouldn't mind seeing that game again. I mean, Florida offensively with Kyle Pitts, Trevon Grimes, Kadarius Toney, unbelievable, unbelievable with, with Kyle Trask, unbelievable what they can do offensively. Uh, they, they're they going to get up and down the field. They're going to score points, and they can score on anybody. I'm convinced. But you're right. If, if they do beat LSU, there's a whole different conversation. Now, to answer your question, I don't think it happened. Mm-hmm. I don't think it happened.
1: I just don't think they're will going to do that. <laughs> Houston, Nut joins us. CBS Sports, the former coach himself, hanging out in Texas, uh, doing his thing here today. And appreciate you, Houston. Now, next week, we're going to get you on, and we'll start breaking down both of the – uh semifinal games but just give me a little quick take right now a little taste here because we got Alabama that huge favorite against Notre Dame can Notre Dame pull off the upset they couldn't get it done against Clemson last week but again we saw them uh, you know defeat Clemson you know earlier in the season and then of course you know we got Clemson Ohio State again
0: right let's start with Alabama Alabama Notre Dame I don't think I don't think I don't think right now Notre Dame can can um, can beat them uh, Alabama's just—I uh, think they're the most complete team in football, and I'm talking about their defense that doesn't get a lot of credit, and notoriety right now because of the offense. I, I think they're, they've improved the last 20, 25 quarters. That's a hard—that's a hard, hard way to get a first down against that group right now. They are moving fast, sudden, quick. Defensive lines really improved. Secondary's improved, uh, even though you know Florida got up and down the field, but. Uh, you don't see too many Florida weapons like that. Uh, they're not going to see that versus Notre Dame. So I, I just think Alabama will win. Now I do have respect for Ian Book that can can extend a play when something breaks down. He proved that against Clemson that he can he can keep the chains moving. So uh, he's an athletic guy. I just don't think it'll be enough. I don't think it'll be enough because Alabama with Najee Harris they have a running game. Mac Jones. Who had ever thought he would replace Tua tonga and be ahead? If you just count 10 or 11 games, he's ahead of him. Uh, percentage-wise, with completions and more yards, uh, Devonte Smith will create separation. Unbelievable. Uh, Mechie's coming. How about Mechie? I think that's a play of the game. When you go back, the guy goes and makes a tackle, and I'm talking about a jarring tackle uh, where Dean couldn't get up. He intercepted the ball. And that ball is fumbled with an unbelievable hit. But you're talking about playing. Now, that's just playmakers. And so, I don't I just see now The one thing I would worry about if I was a, a, a Steve Sarkees, you know, you're missing your center. And that's big. You're right. missing your, your uh, Dickerson. That's a big blow now because he's the quarterback in that offensive line. And uh, just, you know, they're going to miss him. But I just think Alabama has too much. I agree. Uh, Ohio State, Clemson. Um, I, I'm I'm right now with Trevor Lawrence, man. I'm I'm convinced Trevor Lawrence is a true difference maker. You can see it uh, by the way he played against Notre Dame compared to the freshman. He did a good job, but no, uh, Trevor Lawrence, man, he he can make it happen, and he's faster than you think. They have some design runs that Tony Elliott has put in the playbook that keeps a defense so off balance. Trevor Lawrence is like the 12th man, and he can throw it. He can run it, RPO you, and you, then what? Ha- it's amazing how good ETN, Travis ETN, plays when, when Trevor's on that field. You know, he's kind of been disappeared, hadn't seen him too much the last three or four weeks, and all of a sudden he takes off hmm. so because I think it's because of Trevor Lawrence. So, man, I, I just think Clemson and Alabama are, are destined to meet again.
1: All right. All right. Great stuff, Houston. Appreciate you, uh, as always, Bye, my buddy. friend. Hopefully we'll uh, get uh, with you next week and we can go into more yes. detail. And I want to get your thoughts on uh, some of the New Year's Six uh, bowl games as well, too. Let's do it. All right, brother. All right, Take Stay care. Down. There he is. Houston Nutt. You uh, can catch him on uh, CBS Sports Network as well as CBS as, as well, too. And uh, always uh, love talking to the old football coach, breaking it down for us.
2: Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, looking forward to all the playoff games. And kudos to uh, the Liberty Bowl doing the right thing and putting Army in there.
1: yes. There it is. Exactly. And you called it. They must have been listening to the show yesterday. Yeah, I, I, I was pretty adamant about that one. Yeah, I, I didn't either. understand how it couldn't be there. Nine and two army is getting a bowl game,
2: but someone had to opt out for them to get An it. army fighting for liberty. Come on. Makes
1: sense. The script writes itself. All right. We appreciate Houston Nutt joining us. Next hour, the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright joins us. We'll give you some more thoughts on the college football playoff as well as NFL more breaking news coming uh, your way with uh, that as well too Stevie slapshots making it happen he's on the keyboards ballpark Frank TC Martin on a terrible Tuesday <laughs>